What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? Ryan McNichols here, host of the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. Today is Saturday, May 6th. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Howe. Hey, what's up, everybody? And our producer, Mike Coyle. Hey, how's it going? So, we are looking at today, the NFL drafts just wrapped up recently. Rookies are on their teams now, so a lot of, you know, a lot of Dynasty teams out there are going to be doing their rookie drafts soon, or if you're doing a startup draft soon, those are going to be happening, obviously, over the course of the next couple of months. So with that in mind, we are going to take a look at the rookie landing spots. We kind of did a general draft reaction last time on the show, just kind of how we felt about players going to certain places, and talked about like what we expected out of them as far as what they could or could not be in the NFL, but we didn't really get too much into like where you should take them in a rookie draft, so organize that a little bit more today, and that's what we're going to go through. This is going to be a shorter one probably going to split this even into probably about two 20-minute episodes between the first and second round with some other nonsense in the back end because we're going to be taking a break next week. We're going on a little trip to do some uh, paintballing, so a little uh, boys weekend. Let's do this. So let's start off then with the rookie rankings. We'll start off, do you want to do this by position, Rich, or just by overall ranking, by, you know, what you would do if you were on the clock at the 101? I didn't really look at it from a position of, like, drafting like that. I just kind of ranked them how I thought the players yeah, were going to. Let's just go through our rankings. We'll yeah. start at the top and we'll go through um, for, this is one quarterback rankings. PPR. One yep. quarterback PPR rankings. One QB PPR rookie rankings. So start off with the guy at the top, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I've got him one too. Okay, he went to the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to use him. They're going to run him into the ground most likely. This is a really good offensive line last year. That some of the criticism with the pick is that they were really effective with Tyler Algier, and maybe they didn't necessarily really need to upgrade. Like, how many more games are you going to win with what Bijan? Like, how much more is Bijan Robinson going to give you than what Tyler Algier gave you with how effective your offensive line was? So there's some debate about that, but as far as fantasy goes, he's you know he's a pass catcher. He's a three-down back over there. They like to run the ball a lot there in Atlanta, and he's just, I mean, he's got the safest floor and probably the highest ceiling of any of these skill position players. Yeah, it's a no-brainer one-on-one and one QB. All right. Don't need to spend too much time on that then there. And we'll split off here then the number two pick. In, or the number two on your rookie rankings. I imagine we're going to be quite different here because we all know pretty much who mine is, who I'm going to be taking in our rookie rookie Yeah, I, I have Jameer Gibbs, uh, number two. Yep, and I have Quentin Johnson. Ooh. So I don't know where you have Quentin Johnson, so we'll start with Jameer Gibbs and we'll come back to Quentin Johnson whenever yes. he, he pops up on your list is what we'll do. We'll start with Jameer Gibbs. So the reason I have him just a slight bit lower is it's the situation is he's gonna get a lot of use probably this year. My concern is he's 199 pounds. How long does he actually hold up yep. for the course of a season? How long does he hold up long term there in Detroit? This could be a thing where you know halfway through the season this is just another version of DeAndre Swift, except you got a guy who's about 10, 15 pounds lighter than DeAndre Swift, and he could end up banged up. And then you know what do you like? Just what do you do going forward? You know, uh, just go ahead. Yeah, I'm just it very well could turn up turn out that way. I just they spent the 12th overall pick on him and I feel like they may have 
learn their lesson. They're going to use them properly. Um, Dan Campbell comes from that um, Sean Payton coaching tree, and I feel like he may be able to really utilize Jameer Gibbs in an Alvin Kamara-style role. Right, and that's the upside, and that's why yeah, he's, num- that's, that's that's why why he's number three on my yeah. rankings is because right. the upside is there if he stays healthy for the season. Like, again, my, my question is not about that he's going to get used a lot in that offense. Right? My, my concerns is just, again, his size. and Durability. Yeah. When I'm looking long-term, I'm looking at Quinton Johnson where I don't have that concern, and the upside there, again, is Quinton Johnson ends up being the number one wide receiver for Justin Herbert moving forward, and it's just a longer-term value at the wide receiver. He's my number one wide receiver as far as the rookies go, so that's kind of the little yeah. trade-off there. I'm not too, a big fan of a lot of where these running backs goes, but again, I don't. I know a lot of people are taking Jameer Gibbs with the number two because they don't feel as strongly about Quentin Johnson because they didn't prior to the draft feel as strongly as I did about him but uh yeah I have Jameer Gibbs right there at three yeah we don't vary very much but three is uh JSN that's why I have a three yeah no I was just gonna say yeah this is an uh, interesting year as far as looking at the wide receivers as a whole because I think a lot a lot of people would you know maybe give Rye flack about putting uh putting uh Quentin Johnson's number two uh or number one wide receiver or all but I don't, uh, I, I don't hate it either, uh, but I think there's, in pro- at least last year compared to this year, there was a lot more of a clearer picture of paths to success at at this point in the season, whereas this year it's like it, uh, those top three guys have, have been shuffled around, top two guys, four guys like have been shuffled around, seeing all sorts of rankings where people are trying to make a case like for X guy and, you know, why he should be, you know. I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody put Zay Flowers number one, we'll say that, but... You know, among the other three dudes that are in the top four, right. they could, I guess, you know, you see, I'm seeing a lot more arguments being made, whereas it's a little bit more solidified last year. Right. And like you said, I'm definitely in a minority there. Again, I know prior to the draft, every show that I was listening to was pretty down on Quentin Johnson with the body catching and the drops, and I was the only one who was, like, really high on him, and then he goes where he goes, and... Things are moved a little bit, but he's still going, like you said, probably towards the back end of the first round in most rookie drafts from some of the you know things that I've listened and heard other people do because they're still they're just not sure about him. And again, my just overall thing is it was kind of I guess it was a little skewed based off of like you know where my team sort of is in in dynasty. And you again, you can flip a lot of these guys. That, like you said, there's not a very strong argument to say this guy has to go at two, this guy has to go three, and like you know if you do it any other way, it's you know, but so the the balance kind of is we know that JSN is behind DK Metcalf basically for the like DK Metcalf just signed an extension with the Seahawks. He's behind him essentially for the length of his career, yeah. and is behind Tyler Lockett right now. So he's not immediate impact guy, but he's probably got the safest floor being on that because all it takes is Tyler Lockett being out there, and he's in an offense that's constantly produced a number two wide receiver. So maybe a safer floor. Jordan Addison, same thing. He's behind Justin Jefferson. It's just like these other guys went to a place where like they're stuck behind somebody. And I, I felt like, again, prior to the draft, there was a clear pathway for somebody on the Chargers if they were taken there to emerge as that number one guy, and it was Quinton Johnson. So I don't. Uh, I have JSN as my number four. So you said he was your number three, right? So, yeah. again, we're not very different on no, that. This no. is, these first couple picks are, are you know, the first round is going to be pretty – I think pretty much consensus right there. Um, For the most part, yeah. I got a couple that you might find intriguing, but... Okay. So, where were we at then? I did Rob... Uh, we're, we're at number four for yeah, you? Yeah, four. I have Quentin Johnston. That's where he falls for me is number four overall. Okay. And we yeah. just talked about a wide that. receiver, too. Yeah. All right. And then Jordan Addison. Same. He's my number five. Me, too. 
should be the number two there. Minnesota's constantly been productive, whether it was Justin Jefferson, or I'm sorry, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and then Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They traded away, or I'm sorry, they they uh, I mixed this up. They acquired T.J. Hawkinson, but they can they've still made it work with the second pay, or second wide receiver there last year. And you know they don't necessarily incorporate the tight end as a main focus of their offense. Uh, number six for me is Zay Flowers. So wide receiver four off the board for me. Uh, me too. Sixth overall player should be the number one for Lamar Jackson this year. Depending on how he performs, he can be the one going forward. He's kind of similar to Marquise Brown, who's done this before and had thousand yard seasons there. So if you're looking at, uh, so this is where Zay Flowers is my wide receiver four in rookie rankings. As far as redraft goes, I actually have them highest of any of the rookie wide receivers because he's got that role as the number one for Lamar Jackson. His competition's Odell Beckham Jr. and Mark Andrews, and I feel like he could, I, I, he's the safest bet to hit 1,000 yards. I don't know how much above that he goes. Other guys might have higher ceilings, but I think he's a safe bet for 1,000 yards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the opportunity is, is great. Yeah, there's uh it's funny you you look at um Zay Flowers cuz I'm right in that spot like that 106 spot in 1QB and so I'm looking I've been looking at him Charbonnet earlier Charbonnet's fallen down the list a good bit but um he was definitely one of the guys I was looking at a lot and it is wild the range of speculation you have on him all the way from like this is dude is just going to be like another Rondell Moore to this guy could cop out to be you know AJ Brown which is obviously or A.J. Brown, sorry. Antonio Brown, not A.J. Brown, yeah, sorry. Gotcha. Um, and, but it's funny to see how people will convince themselves one way or another that this is the guy or is not. And But, like, I think, yeah, 106, I, I feel like I almost am forced to be taking him there. I know I, get, I have options of trading around, but if I'm going to make that pick. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate it at six. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're necessarily forced into it, mm-hmm. but... No, it's not a bad pick at six for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking like just strictly for next year, it's a great you know great yeah. pick. The long term, eh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you worry about the the drop issues a bit still, but he, he has a great opportunity to take that job. Yeah, the the number the, one. Yeah, the yeah. pass catching opportunities there. Obviously, Mark Andrews, but the pass catching opportunities as far as wide receivers go, the the door is wide open for anybody that sees mm-hmm. sees the moment. You know. Yeah, I mean, who he is Bateman, and uh, yeah, question marks everywhere. Odell Beckham, OBJ, is he good like, from yeah, the, the ACL, from a, yeah. yeah, it's like from a dynasty perspective, you OBJ shouldn't be the number one thought in your mind when you're drafting Zay Flowers. I don't think, and they shouldn't really scare you. Yeah, and they got a new offensive coordinator this season, and Lamar Jackson's expressed his desire to throw more now that he's got all these weapons. Six thousand yards. <laughs> 6,000 yards, yeah. But just as you're hoping that they shift a little bit towards throwing more and and also to protect their investment. I mean, they just signed to a long-term deal. Do you really want to run him 10, 15 times a game and risk him getting hurt like he has been the past two seasons? So maybe we see a little bit of a shift away from him rushing as much and maybe a little bit throwing. He's still obviously going to run and provide a lot of value with his legs, but maybe no more 1,000-yard rushing seasons out of him. And they throw a little bit more, and that just, you know, boosts up the pass catchers a bit. The biggest concern, I guess, I think I would have with Zay Flowers is the possibility that, you know, with his size, that they always, you know, in the future grab another guy 
right. to overtake him, then how can they sustain two pass catchers unless they shift to that pass-heavy offense? But that's an if that, again, you're projecting. We've said that last year with other guys, and it doesn't happen. So Zay Flowers, and again, that's a beautiful thing about Dynasty. You get Zay Flowers this year, he goes off, has a good year, and then you, if you, you feel that he's going to be replaced, you can ship him yep. out if you feel that way, if you're nervous about it. Yep. So that's how uh, Dynasty goes. But, yeah, like you said, I, I kind of am in the same position with Mike where I feel like you might be kind of forced into taking him there. He's really – he's essentially the last – he is the last first-round wide receiver on the board with the way that we had everything else shake out. It feels like there's a tear break right there. Yeah, yeah there definitely is because this is where – so my next player uh, – I think the next guy can maybe be the tear break. Who you got there? I have tight end Dalton Kincaid. Okay, we're on the same page. Yeah, I, I, I have – that's what I've been saying, Kincaid as well. So that's just—I I, that's why I say it's a tear break. This is a rookie tight end we're taking in the first round. You know the hit rate on rookie tight ends. We do, but there's a lot of speculation that he's going to be their slot receiver. They traded up for him. Converts over to. <laughs> Completely playing wide receiver. No, uh, I think he'll still be a tight end. What's the lowdown on Kincaid? Uh, give me the uh, the overall picture. Just a very athletic weapon in the pass catching game. Mm-hmm. And you know he can play slot. He, he's a good route runner. He's a mismatch. A pass catcher attached to Josh Allen. I, I don't know. You're talking late first round pick, and you know you're telling me like I'm on the board 107, and the six guys we all talked about are gone because we all. You know, they may have been in a different order, but they were the same six guys. Mm-hmm. They're gone, and I don't know. They, like, you talk about being forced to take Zay Flowers. I feel like I'm forced to take Kincaid. Yeah, what do you think on the Kincaid uh, pick there, Ry? I, I have not ranked the same. It's just that thing where, again, you know, you're just nervous about it because history shows you tight ends typically don't work out like that in their first season. Is it the best investment long-term if it's not a tight end premium or any efficient scoring thing like that? There are other guys who have... It's hard because he, I mean, he, like you said, he could end up technically being the number two wide receiver for the Bills, acting, you're the number two pass catcher, we can call it there. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, it seems like maybe Gabe Davis might not be, the, or maybe they don't think Gabe Davis is the guy. They gave him the shot last year and it didn't work out. But I wasn't fully ready to, uh, again, that's, this is the thing, though. This, that's what everybody's saying right now. But these are also, you know, all the people who were also telling us that the, the Texans were going to go defense at number two and pass all, on a quarterback in the draft. So uh, it's one of those things where you're nervous until you see it because there's no guarantee that they Absolutely. actually do that and it works. And Gabe Davis, like Gabe Davis isn't a, a, you know, a nobody. He's got plenty of talent. We've seen it flash. We've seen him have that strong performance in the playoffs for them at that stretch and then it just didn't come together for whatever reason last year with them. I'm, I'm out on Gabe Davis. Completely uh, at this point, as I mean, a Gabe Davis owner, as a well, I'm, I'm a former I'm a owner. Big, former. I'm a former owner, but big. There's a, obviously, if I'm out, get you know, I'm gonna put him in a trade, you know. But uh, I, I love Gabe Davis. Uh, I think like I really enjoyed watching his career so far. Uh, but purely, and I'm still gonna root for him. But purely from a fantasy perspective, I think he's where he. If people are still holding on and they're like they think Gabe Davis can. Be something. I think this is the last. We're about to shut the door on that as like he's like mm-hmm. a viable. If he doesn't do it this yeah. year, I don't know if people can make some yeah. excuses. I think again he's, and... yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's no, flashed. He's, he's had he's, great games, but he's like very inconsistent. Yeah. No, there's no way you can count on him like in a lineup or anything. But I was just saying, like it's 
also, again, just also the matter of like you know, there's no guarantee that Dalton Kincaid comes in and is any better. Or any you know, it's, that's just. True. So I I don't know, and again, they're still going to need a second wide receiver out there, and that's that's going to be Gabe Davis at the time being. If they go the two tight end set, you still need a second. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Khalil Shakir. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what's his name? Uh, still on the team. Uh, the other guy, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Now he's gone. No, he's right? gone. He's on the Colts. Okay. Well, I guess yeah, it does make Gabe. He does have to shoulder, I guess, a little bit more of that weight. I mean, it felt like so many times that they could have been going to Davis. You could see McKenzie just picking up catches, and you're just like, man, I wish that was Gabe. Davis. So yeah, why why is it not? Yeah. So. All right, and then. The last pick in the first round, this was something Rich had talked about eight, before eight, that he was going to do. I got us at eight. Eight? We're yeah. at eight, maybe. I'm pick number eight. Yeah. We just did um, Kincaid. Yeah. Five, six, seven. You're right. We are at pick number eight. Okay, so it's not the last pick in the first round. So the guy Rich was hoping would be his la- the last pick in the first round. So we wanted. I have a cute quarterback Anthony Richardson yeah, me too. in a one-quarterback league. I have him there, too. There's like, after those first seven guys, it, to me, there's a clear tear break. And... Starting the next tier, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get into the second round. And I'm just not thrilled with a lot of the options. So, like, if I'm sitting there holding a late first round pick, like, I'll take the swing on the upside with Richardson. Absolutely. And that's, I think, the main takeaway here is that typically, you know, this is this is a one quarterback PPR. It's not tight end premium. It's not super flex. There's no bonus for having you know tight end or quarterback. And we're still taking the tight end and the quarterback prior to the last picks of the first round because we're just not thrilled about where a lot of these skill guys went. We're not thrilled about... I mean, there's some skill guys we were excited about, and then pretty much all the landing spots for any of those like guys, we were like, oh, maybe this dude might be a guy kind of, then, you know, deflates. You got size concerns for a lot of guys, too. There's all, the 2022 class was no joke. I know. we. It's tough. We had a good class, and we were, you know, everyone was talking about the 2023 class, and we kind of, we, we maybe overlooked the 22 class a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was really down on that 2022 class. They were. They were. It stinks, you remember? Yes. This it, class, this is the disgrace. Yeah. They were talking, you know, Keyshawn Butte is coming out next year, and, you know, uh, there's a couple other guys there. You know, Jordan Addison will come out, and, you know, they had a bunch of names, and then some of them just, you know, Keyshawn Butte doesn't work out, and some things fall apart, and it's not necessarily the draft we thought it was going to be certain teams take guys and it kind of deflates their value or their you know the hype around them and it's just kind of disappointing from a fantasy perspective but yeah qb1 going with the what was that the eighth pick overall yeah. in the uh rookie rankings there yes. in the one qb all right so and we've been pretty much chalk here except for where we had a uh, quentin johnson yeah. i think everything up. this is where we're going to start to differ a bit yeah probably so at this point, it's one of those things where I start looking for upside from guys, and so with that in mind, I have uh, Rasheed Rice listed here with Kansas City Chiefs Okay. as my number nine overall. I have him a couple spots down. We'll, we'll get to that. It's not far. Okay. Uh, my number nine, I have uh, Kendry Miller as my RB3. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I just it, With Miller's situation, yes, he's in a crowded backfield at the moment. But we still have Kamara's legal situation to play out, and Jamal Williams is 28, and he only has guaranteed money coming this season. Being Dynasty, just like, yeah, Miller may not get a ton of run this season. I understand that completely. But, again, you're talking upside with with this situation, right? With these late late first-round picks, early second-round picks, like that's what what you're swinging for. 
and I'll take a shot on Miller. I like to you. You guys heard me in here talking about him once we started reviewing prospects. You know, under the radar guys who no one's really thinking about right now. I brought him up. Guys who you're looking to see this. You brought him. I've been talking about him for a while, and hey, you got him in nine. Yeah. I like the situation in the landing spot. It's a little crowded right now, but it's not anything that talent can't win out of. And, you know, we'll see. The, the, the two guys ahead of him, age, and, you know, Kamara's getting up there too, plus he has the legal situation. We'll see. Right. And I, I just wanted to pop in play. and talk about um, overall, like, strategy. Like, when you're scouting these guys out, one of the advantages if you're paying attention earlier in the year is that if, hey, you have, like, Kendrick Miller, and you think he's going to rise. Dude, he has rose across the rankings in this offseason a lot, it feels like. So if you see, like, hey, like I see this guy as a riser. He's been there for, uh, right. for days for me. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember when you were talking about him originally, both on the pod and off, and I was, like, kind of nebulous on who exactly he was. But if, like, you had really seen that, hey, this is a guy that I want, and I, I don't have that 108 pick, or I don't have that 109 pick, like, you can try and maybe plan out, like, hey, okay, I'm going to target this pick. Now I'm hoping that he will rise to the, the occasion. Right. Like, before, basically, because now it's this is, like, not a crazy take at this point. Um, you're seeing a lot of this kind of take out there. Mm-hmm. So I have Kendra Miller a little further down. My main concern just being, you know, with him being taken, you know, in the third round that they could eventually, you know, that this may be, he's... This may be his value is limited to essentially the six games that Alvin Kamara misses. Then he's in a timeshare with Jamal Williams, who's they haven't been throwing a lot to the running back recently. Just think they have Derek Carr now there at quarterback. How much did Derek Carr throw the ball to, you know, Josh Jacobs over the course of his time there the past yeah, several I'm years? Not. It bumped up last year a little bit, but we're talking what, two catches a game maybe for Jacobs? Yeah, but with Miller, I'm you're not really looking he doesn't have that, you know, great pass catching profile. You're more looking at a guy who is going to be rushing for 1,000 to 1,200 yards with, you know, eight touchdowns. So my concern then is if Jamal Williams is there, Jamal Williams is really useful in the red zone as a touchdown guy, and if Kendra Miller's not being used in the receiving game and he's just kind of out there as a a runner, but then they send Jamal Williams in to vulture the touchdowns, like – what does he, you know, how how what what does he have to do essentially to become fantasy relevant at that point? He's gonna get 120 rushing yards a game to get you 12 points. Yeah, I mean, like I said in the beginning, I don't know how much I'm looking for him to do this year. I'm talking well, long term. I actually I mean, have it flipped. I'm more concerned about his long term. So in a redraft, I actually have him. He's my RB three in both redraft and dynasty. The difference is that in uh, redraft. He's the fifth player or the fifth rookie that I have ranked. So I've got Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs are the top two in a redraft league again because of the immediate role and value they're going to have there. Jameer Gibbs, like I said, he's going to get the volume. He's going to be available. It's just a question of how long he's going to be available. But the counter to that is, you know, you can draft Dave Montgomery, who's the handcuff there, and have insurance for him in the redraft league. That's an option there. So this is why I'd move. Quentin Johnson shoots way down on the board because he has to. You wait for a Mike Williams or a Keenan Allen injury, essentially, and if not, he's third fiddle there, so he's not going to have a consistent role. So, like, he moves real down on that board. And it's, so it's B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, who's going to be the number two for Minnesota, is going to have a role to uh, you know at the start of the season, I imagine, as the second wide receiver there. And then Kendra Miller is the fifth player that I would take as far as a redraft goes. So that's the uh, difference there. 
Um, but yeah, so like I really like him for this season because again, I think for the games that Kamara will be suspended for, he'll go in and he'll have a big role in being a timeshare with Jamal Williams. But then what happens when Kamara comes back? But at least you'll. But like my thing is at that point with where you're probably taking him, and again, this is like I have him as the fifth rookie you're taking. This is real far down in an actual redraft like draft that you would take him because you're looking at a guy who's going to be real valuable for six games and then probably in a timeshare for the rest of the season. So it's more valuable essentially than any other running backs like Charbonnet, Bigsby, Chase Brown. Those are all essentially handcuffs where you're, you know, hoping that maybe they're in a time share and can be productive in both of them or maybe the guy ahead of them gets hurt. But, like, that, again, this is late last picks in, in redraft leagues versus a dynasty league where these guys are going to end up in the second round, which we'll talk about next time. But I think we're down to – so I had Rasheed Rice there as the wide receiver. You had uh, Kendra Miller at the number – this was number nine, right? And Rasheed Rice, I mean, it's just he's on the Kansas City Chiefs. I know we're all a little sore from Sky Moore going there last year in the second round. They literally picked one pick apart. Uh, I think it was 52 and 53 is where these – I'm sorry, no, 54 and 55. So last year Sky Moore was 54, and this year uh, Rasheed Rice was taking 55. It's the literal re-roll. <laughs> exactly. So I know, we're again, it's just a matter of – I know Travis Kelsey is there, and we can say Travis Kelsey will be the number one wide receiver. Travis Kelsey – is aging. I know. I, I like. I'm not expecting any fall. Travis Kelsey is still tight end one this season. I'm not expecting a fall off from Travis Kelsey. But you need to look towards long term future. Rasheed Rice. I liked him. His you know. Uh, I liked his athletic score. He tested above the thresholds that we you know had kind of set as that little uh, bar we look for with you know the height adjusted speed score and the uh, burst score. He's got the talent. And I think it's really just Sky Moore might be scaring it might be scaring some people off, but the upside is you you have you know the number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes for the next several years if we get Rasheed Rice. So again, we're looking for upside here at the end of the first round with all the surefire guys taken. The the downside is the floor is he's he's Sky Moore again, and he's you know returning punts by the end of the season. <laughs> fumbling, fumbling punts. Yeah. And then. Wrap this up here with the last pick in or the tenth overall guy we have is the last pick in a uh, ten team league PPR. I have somebody that I'm I'm sure you probably won't even have on your list because I think we talked about it before and you weren't too high on it. But I have tight end Sam Laporta for Detroit. Yeah, he's not in my top twenty. Okay, I didn't think so. So I know you feel that they're not going to use the tight end position there because you felt that they didn't use the TJ Hawkinson. I just go back and TJ Hawkinson had his, had a decent amount of volume for the tight end position there. With the Detroit Lions, Jameson Williams suspended for six it's games. Never consistent. Like, yeah, like when you look at it at the end of the year and you're looking at targets and catches and you're like, all right, yeah, I guess like he had a pretty decent season. But week to week, it's just so volatile. That's the tight end position, though, and at least he has the upside. I don't want to say his inconsistency, like at least his... His inconsistency still, though, like, you know, his floor of inconsistency is like three, four targets in a game, whereas, like, you know, that's... Other tight end, a lot of other tight ends max out at five targets in a game, six targets in a game throughout the course of the season. It's like his floor is kind of four targets a game, or, or the role for the tight end is kind of four targets a game there in that Detroit offense. They're getting better, so maybe they're a little bit more high scoring, more competitive going forward. And, I mean, they took him in the second round. So he's. Uh, I imagine they have plans for him. Again, it's just it's the issue with the. I think the issue more is the uncertainty with a lot of other things going on around him. And, again, just the competition there. At the, he's They have a quarterback at the moment in Jared Goff. They drafted a guy who could potentially be the replacement. And if Jared Goff, if, 
if it does if they don't move to uh Hendon Hooker, then that means Jared Goff's done enough to keep the job, so he's been an effective, you know, quarterback there and he's you know, done well the past couple of seasons with Amon Ron St. Brown and when TJ Hawkinson was there producing at times. But I'm I'm not thrilled about this. I would be like these are not picks that I'm necessarily excited about or like clamoring for to make. There's like you said, there is that tear break there, and then I think you know, there's a lot of wiggle room from here on out with the players, which we could get into a little more next time, but let's hear who you have there at number 10. 10, I have uh, Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll take the running back with the second-round draft capital. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it, after that, it, but I know it's next episode, but you know, we talked about Rasheed Royce. I have him next right after that. So, as I don't know. I, we like Charbonnet a lot coming out. Um, we're not happy with the landing spot, but we'll trust the talent. Yeah, take Charbonnet ten. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I ha- yeah. I have yeah. a much fur- sorry. I have a much further down, so I'll get the landing to that spot. Sucks. Time. It's absolutely yeah. it absolutely sucks. Yeah. Like no one's happy about it. Charbonnet, you, you know, truthers, guys who've been who've been hyping him up all off season and you know hoping to get him in the in the, in the rookie drafts. Yeah, right. You know, to take him up the top. Kenneth Walker owners, they're not happy about oh, it either. Scrambling. We're scrambling. Like, the only people happy about it are Seahawks fans, probably. Yeah. Because they're tired of watching Uh-oh. the slop that Seattle put out behind Kenneth Walker last season. Mm-hmm. The talent's real. We we saw it, you know. Mm-hmm. The NFL confirmed it. He was a second-round draft pick, and we'll be, we bet on those. Yeah. The, the thing about when you're taking a lot of these guys that are – like Charbonnet, or and maybe not Charbonnet per se, because he could develop into a runner. I mean, it's just so tough. I mean, he, how many years is he gonna have to play behind Walker or with Walker? Maybe he's not even behind with Walker. Maybe hey, what hey, best case scenario? Be a battle. Yeah, best case scenario. He say he's the RB one on the team. Does that mean he's gonna get? What, more what, what does it mean? Probably not. Does man. it mean fifty five forty five? Yeah. Is it sixty forty? Yeah. Is it a true fifty fifty? It's worrisome uh, for both uh, for owners of both players. It is, but it is absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the main issue is, you know, Kenneth Walker coming out wasn't necessarily viewed as a great pass catcher. He wasn't viewed as a bad one, but it wasn't viewed as a strength of his essentially pass catching. He wasn't but, asked to do it a ton in college. But that right. is a strength of Zach Sharpness. So they use him as the pass catching back and have Kenneth Walker as you know the mm. the running running back. But like. It's weird because I feel like Charbonnet might be a bigger guy than Kenneth Walker, so it would be kind of a weird role reversal. Charbonnet beats out Kenneth Walker for the job. Bull take. Uh, Are I, we there yet? Not, no. Does no. Kenneth Walker catch balls well? Was, what's his? I mean, he's decent at it. He's good at it. He just yeah. wasn't asked to do it a ton. I, mean, uh-huh. I thought he had a few good games with some could nice the, Yeah, could, it, could the role swap even is what I'm wondering. Yeah. And he missed some time last season as well, yeah. I believe, right? He missed a game or two with uh, a minor injury. Walker? Yeah, yeah, he had an injury last year. But, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, Richard's a big – you can flip pretty much any people in this area and from one spot argument. to another and make an argument. Mm-hmm. So we'll get a little bit more into that next time. Like we said, we're going to keep this as a shorter episode, so we're going to take a pause here. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. We're Chuck. Mike Coyle. Peace.